Hey, welcome to Pickled Parables. My name's Jesse. Today, I want to submit to you the value of music. Specifically, I want to suggest its value in our spiritual growth and in our spiritual development. Throughout the Bible, we have several moments of little songs. When Adam first saw Eve, he sang a little song. When David shepherded his flocks, he sang songs to the Lord. In fact, music was the only thing that could calm a spirit-afflicted Saul. And if you turn to the middle of your Bible, you'll find a whole book called Psalms that's filled with worship songs. Music is a valued and practiced medium, and I want to take a moment to recognize it. I've noticed over the last few years that the, the most commonly perceived way of worshiping God is by singing to him. Whenever churches talk about worship time, like when they say, we're going to have the worship time now, we're usually talking about the time that we're going to spend singing choruses and old hymns. Worship is closely associated with singing. And this, so this observation has led me to ask, when we want to worship God, why do we sing? Singing isn't the, the only form of worship, but why is it the most popular? And the first comparison that I thought of was that of a birthday party. Think about it. You're just about to bring out the birthday cake. What happens? Everybody sings happy birthday. It doesn't matter if you have a good voice or a bad voice. You just belt it out with gusto. And you're singing to the person who is having the birthday because we're celebrating them. We're putting that person in the spotlight, so to speak. And I think that's essentially what we're doing when we sing worship songs to God. We're celebrating him. We're putting him in the spotlight and giving him recognition. Music is a wonderful expression. Not only can it echo current feelings that we have bundled up or give the nostalgia of memories, but it can even influence our attitude and our mindset. It can actually bring change. I must admit, I, I have an appreciative spot in my heart for the artistic value of music. I love music. I'm also fascinated with how music influences our brains. It's weird. It, it's, it's an incredible thing to me. But anyhow, music as an expression can bring out honesty. It, it can bring out clarity and even things like confession. It can also help you remember things. Think of, think of uh, when you were learning the ABCs. I'm still not able to recite my ABCs without singing them. I, that's, that's how I learned them. That's how I know them. So it's evident that music has an incredible power. And I have come to believe that music plays an important role in our spiritual development. Here, let me, let me use this as an illustration. I'm sure this is something we've all seen. Think of, think, just imagine with me in your, your mind's eye, a, a child, then wait, and now they're an adult. Externally speaking, it's just something that kind of happens. 
physical growth continues without much intentional effort. But spiritual growth, that doesn't work in the same way. Here, I'm, I'm going to read to you a statement made by the Apostle Paul as he wrote to the Corinthians. But brothers, I could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you are not ready for it. And even now you are not yet ready, for you are still of the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? You see, spiritual maturity in the Christian faith is not a, uh, a, a generic awareness of your spirituality. It's an identity that was given to you through the foreknowledge of God the Father, through the justification that we received through Jesus Christ, and through the indwelling seal of the Holy Spirit. That's what Christian means. We are representatives. We're little Christs fueled by the Holy Spirit to fulfill the Great Commission. We are to gather as many worshipers as possible. A famous, really famous quote by John Piper is, Missions exist because worship doesn't. Worship is ultimate, not missions, because God is ultimate, not man. When this age is over and the countless millions of the redeemed fall on their faces before the throne of God, missions will be no more. It is a temporary necessity, but worship abides forever. So as Paul said to the Corinthians, spiritual growth is not likened to human growth. He told them, you are still infants in the faith. And he says that with the, with the expectation that they should be past that by now. Spiritual growth, as it's presented in the Bible, requires intentionality. It's a growth into something, or I should say, it's a growing with someone into something. I'm going to read another statement by Paul. This time he's addressing the Colossians. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, also abounding in thanksgiving. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. For in Christ, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. In Christ also, you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands, by putting off the body of the flesh, by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised Christ from the dead. You, who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, 
having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food or drink, or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Let no one disqualify you, insisting on asceticism, worship of angels, going on in detail about visions, puffed up without reason by his sensuous mind, and not holding fast to the head from whom the whole body, nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, grows with a growth that is from God. If with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, why? As if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, referring to things that all perish as they are used and according to human precepts and teachings. These have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. If then you have been raised with Christ... Seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. This beautiful passage lays bare not only just the, the new life that we have with Christ, but it also shows the developing of our maturity. We are to put away the old man, our old self, and walk in and grow in the victory of Christ. We are to set our minds on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Do you know what's happening at the throne of God? We have a depiction from the Apostle John as he wrote the scroll of Revelation. It's much shorter. I'll read it to you. This is from chapter 4. And around the throne, on each side of the throne, are four living creatures. Each of them, with six wings, are full of eyes all around and within, and day and night they never cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne, and they worship him who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will, They existed and were created. It's worship. That's what's happening at the throne of God. So 
as we are here living out our life on earth, we are to live as citizens of heaven. We're to meditate on the word of God. We're to pray to the Lord through the intercession of Jesus Christ and with the assistance of the Holy Spirit. We are to worship with joy and confession. We are to grow and bear the fruit of the Spirit. In Psalm 119, it declares, With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up my word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips, I declare all the rules of your mouth. In the way of your testimonies, I delight as much as in riches. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. So we sing. We sing songs of confession. We sing songs of remembrance. We sing songs of adoration. We sing whether we have a good voice or a bad voice. We sing because music is an expression. It engages our mind in every kind of way possible. We're fully and intentionally absorbed with what we're saying. The Psalms of the Bible are an excellent example of this. There's 150 of them. Choirs of people would sing them. Laymen, commoners, they would sing them as they marched up to Jerusalem. And these, these memorized lyrics were so rich with divine revelation, reinforcing and reminding those who sang them of who they were before the God they served. However, if you were to look at the Psalms today, you, you'd probably notice there's something missing. The melody. We don't know what these songs sounded like. All we have that's recorded here in the Bible are, are the lyrics, along with some mentionings of who wrote them. Now, here's why I think that's very important. I am convinced that God cares more about what we are singing rather than how we are singing it. Furthering this idea of setting our minds on things above, I'm convinced that it's not about how we sing it, it's about what we sing. This is evident in Psalm 66. Shout for joy to God, all the earth. Sing the glory of his name. Make his praise glorious. Say to God, how awesome are your deeds. So great is your power that your enemies cringe before you. All the earth bows down to you, they sing praise to you. They sing the praises of your name. Rhythm and tempo aren't what gives glory to God. It's the words that we sing. And because of that, I think it's very important for us to understand the words that we're singing to him. Now, I know that, that can be difficult for some. It's, it's difficult for me. I, <laughs> I typically get lost in the music and I don't think of what I'm saying. But in order to demonstrate the richness of biblical lyrics, I want to present to you one of my favorite hymns. It's an old hymn. It was written in 1757 by a person named Robert Robinson. Robinson was a pastor when he wrote this, and you can definitely tell because the words are almost lifted out of Scripture. The title of this hymn is Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. I'll just read the first verse. Come, 
thou fount of every blessing. Tune my heart to sing thy grace. Streams of mercy, never ceasing. Call for songs of loudest praise. Teach me some melodious sonnet, sung by flaming tongues above. Praise the mount, I'm fixed upon it. Mount of God's unchanging love. There is so much we can learn from singing songs of worship. It can remind us of biblical truths. It can inform us of things we haven't learned yet. And it can cause us to delight in the joy of God's word. When we sing with intentionality and with a focus on singing to the Lord like it's his birthday, we are planting ourselves in the fertile soil of God's word. We are assembling scaffolding in order to build up into his grace. And we are becoming established in our faith. It doesn't matter how you sing or whether you consider yourself a good singer or a poor singer. It, it doesn't matter how you sing because it only matters who you're singing to. If we are singing to the Lord, then we don't want to lie to him. We want to declare the truest of truths to him. We want to confess our failures and shortcomings to him. We want to remember the good things that he's accomplished. We want to worship him. Now, if you were to take a tour, just around, you would find that there are several different ways people like to sing. There are many different styles of worship music, but behind them all is the same heart of worship. Cultures exist, and we must acknowledge them. Generations bring change, and we must acknowledge them. We must stay true with what we sing, because again, God cares more about what we sing rather than how we sing it. Music is the most popular form of worship in our current churches, and I believe that to be a wonderful thing. But with all things popular, we must remember and be intentional about who we are singing to and be conscious of what we are singing. We need to keep our minds on things above, where Christ is, and live our earthly lives as citizens of heaven. Music can be a wonderful tool to assist us in this growth. Music can help us worship and help us grow in our spiritual development. It can help us remember things. It can help us learn new things. And most importantly, it can establish us in a conscious presence of the Lord, thus furthering our spiritual development. In our closing, I've asked our producer, Chad Hoffman, to come sing for us, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. As he sings, I would like you to participate by singing along or even by humming along. Let the words of this song sink deep into your heart and then offer them to the Lord as a gift. Chad? Come thou fount of every blessing 
for joining us today. Music is a wonderful art, and I love it. I hope you enjoyed our consideration today, and will meditate on the words of the worship songs you now encounter. Spiritual growth requires intentionality. It doesn't just happen like physical growth, and I think that is a design God instituted because He wants an intentional relationship with each one of us. Music is a great tool to help us express this desire and remind us when we forget. Depending on your musical preference, whether you enjoy old hymns or new choruses, saturate yourself with the worship music that you enjoy and then offer it to the Lord as a gift. Sing it to Him like a birthday song. Let me add here before I go, if you enjoy this podcast, rate it and review it so others can find it. That's a great help for others to stumble onto our ministry, and it's a good way to get the word out. Thank you for joining us. I'll catch you next week.